Welcome to the Channel 17 Podcast, a weekly Atlanta Braves discussion podcast brought to you by the Productive Leisure Network, online at ProductiveLeisureNetwork.com, and on Facebook and Twitter at Prod Leisure. I'm your host, Will Floyd, and a little out of the usual, joining me to start off this week for Mother's Day, my mother, Daisy Floyd. Good morning, Will. Good morning. So you are not the obsessive uh, Braves fan that uh, either your husband or your son are because, well, we're the weirdos who record a podcast every week. But you've been a Braves fan for as long as there have been Braves, nominally speaking, right? Well, that's true. Uh, I'm I'm not as obsessive as as you and your father are, but um, indeed, your father and I have been married almost 41 years, and so perhaps out of self-defense, I've been a Braves fan for at least that long. Uh, and of course, I've raised uh, an ardent Braves fan, yes. so I think that counts me as a as a pretty oh, devoted Braves fan. Well, and also, uh, you lived the ups and downs of the '90s uh, with us. You might not have lived the sad sack seasons of recent vintage with quite the same intensity, but you were certainly there. Is there anything you're excited about this season with the Braves that uh, you want to mention now that they're really fun again? Well, I, I am excited because they are fun again, and that, that's great. Um, it's great for me to be able to watch, but it's also great to see the excitement uh, and the other Braves fans that I know and love, so that's a lot of fun. And then I've always loved um, the potential of young people, so yes. for the Braves to have these uh, three youngest players, is that right? Um, yes, they are uh, the In Major three League Baseball today. Youngest players in baseball, and in fact, they started with the youngest, then they added the youngest, then they went even younger still when Mike Soroka came up. So yeah, yeah. they might so improve I, I on think that. That's, yeah, I think that's really exciting and fun and um, to get to watch um, these uh, young men at the beginning of their lives and their careers with so much talent and come together and, and put it towards the team. That's just exciting uh, no matter what the venue and particularly exciting when it's something you love like baseball. Yes. So uh, it's a lot of fun. In fact, we're going to SunTrust Park uh, later this week to, to see them live first time um, this season that we will have actually been to the Braves game. So yes, enjoy that. Uh, wanting to wish a happy Mother's Day to all of the mothers out there. Uh, certainly, especially if you are the mothers who have put up with the obsessive uh, weirdo following of baseball that you might not have totally understood, but you've appreciated nonetheless. So thank you for coming on and happy Mother's Day. Well, thank you, Will. It's a pleasure to be your mother each and every day. And uh, I appreciate your thinking about me on Mother's Day. And let me add a happy Mother's Day to all the other mothers who are listening. Yes. Happy Mother's Day. And now the uh, usual programming of two people obsessing about the Braves will start now. And after that happy Mother's Day introduction, we are back to our usual. And I am joined by my father, Tim Floyd. Yeah, great to be with you on this Mother's Day, Will. And, and of course, the Braves in first place once again as we talk. It's kind of hard to imagine, but they keep rolling on. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, we've been trying to be cautious for the whole season so far. And I'm starting to wonder if we shouldn't I, I'm be I'm going to try to be cautious still, but it's getting harder because the team just keeps playing well. Well, they're 23 and 15. Their Pythagorean win-loss record, according to baseball reference, is 24 and 14, which I think 
yeah, doesn't really they've make had it. the best run differential in the National League pretty much all year consistently from from the start. Yeah, I mean um, they're not extraordinarily lucky. They don't seem to have been you yeah. know in so many one run games that turned out they've had on a dime. I, I think it's aren't they leading the league in run scored? I mean they are right at the top offensively, and they continue to keep yeah. that up. At the same time, the bullpen after some early disasters has really stabilized. Starting pitching wise, although they had a terrible weekend last weekend against the Giants. Other than that, um, you know they've they set a team record for consecutive scoreless innings on the road. But um, the, 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 everything is looking good for the team at the moment. Now it's also just the middle of May, so yeah, we got a long way to go. But so far, so good. Well, and I was trying to figure this out, and the Braves are currently on a ninety-eight win pace. But I want to caution when I say that that they are only one game ahead of the Phillies, one and a half game ahead of the Nationals. So it's not like they're outpacing everybody. And by the way... I know, it's been an interesting division, actually. The Mets jumped off to the fast start, but the Phillies have been consistently really good all year. And in fact, if the Phillies hadn't played the Braves, they'd have the best record in baseball. Uh, Maybe. I don't think that you quite realize what's going on in the AL East, where both the Red Sox and Yankees are 27 and 12. I did just look at the, the... those standings, those two are titans, um, and and a great series earlier this week. But, so but no, the Phillies, you early. realize, the Phillies are three and six against the Braves. Look at their over. Yeah. Look at their record mm-hmm. with a, you take the nineteen Braves and ten others in that same category. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Diamondbacks are twenty four and fifteen. The Astros are twenty five and sixteen. So. There are other teams that are at the same level. It's not like the Braves have gone so far out ahead of the pack, but well, well, this is a good team. Yeah. The point is, this is a team that hasn't won more than the low 70s um, in the last four years, and they are um, you know, with, with the best teams in baseball six weeks in. So. Right. But, but, but everything's going well. So let's look at the underlying factors. Uh, right. And I think... You kind of mentioned it. The offense has been good the whole year. Yeah. Um, Nick Markakis has improved somehow as the year has gone on. This past week, there were at least three or four articles in the national media about Nick Markakis. There was a good one on fan graphs, and then uh, there was one on Bill James online. Apparently, there were also ones on you know, the more popular press, uh, all of which the same thing. He sneaked up on people and they realized, hey, if he keeps up his general pace for the next five, six years, he'll have 3,000 hits. And if he does, will he be a Hall of Famer? Well, that's those are both silly. It's kind of hard to imagine he'll <laughs> keep it up till he's 39 or 40. And even if he does, he's not a Hall of Famer. <laughs> um, he's, he's not even a very good player. He's a good player. <laughs> This year, well, he's more than very good. He's been phenomenal. Yeah. He is, you know, just about the best hitter in the National League the first six weeks. Um, and, and it's amazing for a guy who's 34 who is – you and I have talked so many times over the over our career as podcasters on the Braves about how um, he's one of the most consistent players you'd ever want to see. You just know what you get from Nick Markakis. It's not really good. It's sort of good. It's well, league average hitter. This year, yeah, league average hitter, which isn't anything to get excited about. He's just about the best hitter in the league at the moment. Yeah, well, he's hitting three forty six, which is a bit fluky. Just saying. Yeah. Um, although with twenty walks and fourteen strikeouts, I mean, this is 
a guy yeah. who maybe the has guy, really I figured something out. He, he's had a re- he's had a good on base skill that that's been far and away his best attribute for a long time because he doesn't hit with power. Um, he's not a really until good now. defensive player. Uh, yeah, until now. But but at at the stamp established levels before this renaissance this spring, um, what he gave you was a guy who got on base at a pretty good clip, doing that without a whole lot of power. Um, but he's he's still getting on. He's you know got a much better batting mm-hmm. average, but he's still walking. He's not striking out, uh, and he's hitting with power. Um, he's driving the ball. I saw a, it was on fan graphs. Um, you know some clips of early in his career when he did hit twenty three home runs like a decade ago or longer, um, and his swing looks more like that. He's got more of a crouch, and it's it's the launch angle stuff that. Chip and Joe love to make fun of so much, but uh, he apparently you know, worked with a with a coach very much in the off season on on that sort of thing. And he's he's a smart guy, and it I don't know if he'd be able to sustain it, but he's driving the ball a lot better than he used to. <laughs> yeah, well, and it leads to I mean, Chip and Joe make fun of launch angle. Because they don't really keep up with things, and because Joe likes doing that, even though yeah, he Joe should likes make fun a ground of ball to the second baseman better than any batted ball and, <laughs> that you could have. You know, that's well. If there's and, a runner on second, the other, it, well, yeah, it's got to be a productive um, out. It's just an yeah. out if no one's on. Um, <laughs> even then, though, if it's you know you're trying to go the other way, that that's a good thing. <laughs> uh, also, if yeah, anyone yeah. wants to know where we can get away with making fun of Joe Simpson, he wasn't a great major league hitter by any stretch of the imagination. And should not be giving advice to people like... I don't remember Joe Simpson playing. much as a player, but I bet you anything, he could hit behind a runner, hit a ground ball to the second baseman. Well, that, that must if have he could that's skill. embarrassing. Um, right. But, you know, Marcakis' improvement, the fact that Ozzie Albies comes up um, and is the best power hitter in baseball... Yeah, the, the off, we said the offense has been the best in the league, and it's because it's a deep lineup right. start to finish. Um the exciting thing, of course, more than anything, is Albies. He's, I said that Dick Marquez has been just about the best offensive player in the league, but the guy who's leading the league in home runs and extra base hits and runs scored is Ozzy Albies. Um, 12 home runs. 12 has and he ever 13 had 12 doubles. home runs in a season in his professional career? Uh, yes, but not at a level. Yeah. In that any event, so, it still may. Yeah. Uh, and also, you're right, it's six it's, weeks. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it, it's and it's not just the home runs; it's the extra base hits, um, all those doubles he's hit too. Yeah. So last year he had 15 total across AAA and the majors. Yeah, so, which included yeah. six, and you know, just a couple of months at the big league level. Something about I think he's and he's so young, right? And and people seem amazed. How can a guy that small hit the ball so hard? But he's always hit the ball hard. Um, that's one thing that said about him coming along, you know, he, he gets, he barrels the ball up as they say, and man, does he ever, he, he's jumping on the first pitch a lot as, you know, he's been hitting lead off the last couple of weeks. Um, and he, if they, he's, it's not that he's a free swinger. Um, he, he strikes out some, he, he, he will walk if, but, um, they got to be careful throwing the ball across the plate on the first pitch. He jumps all over it. And he usually puts good wood on the ball. Well, if you throw I the guy a slider, I suspect it's lucky that so many of his fly balls are going over the. Prob- that's probably lucky. That, that won't that won't keep up. But you know his grand slam 
this week. Right. That was a just slider that hang was hanging out there over the plate. It wasn't even like it was a hanging breaking pitch necessarily, but it moved yeah. inside the zone and he turned on it. He jumped all over it. Yep. So he's got and special he skills. So many of these left-handed. He's er, the first few weeks. I saw a couple of things that said he's off to a good start, but that's because he crushes left-handed pitchers because he's a natural right-handed hitter. But he's really not hitting very well as a left-hander. And yet his split, split showed that he's better right-handed. But obviously, you know, the bulk of his at bats are coming left-handed, right. and he's he hits the ball really hard as a left-handed hitter, including most of his home runs. But it's also not just the offense that has players improving. I, as I always do to prepare for this, I pull up just the Braves page on baseball reference. And I was shocked by the stats for the starters right now because I knew they had been good, but they've like really rounded into becoming excellent pitchers for the season. Yeah, we can take them one at a time. Um Newcomb is the most exciting in a lot of ways. He's got a scoreless streak going now. He's pitched two shutouts in a row. He's had, I say shutouts, they don't include complete game shutouts because that's, no, I don't guess we'll never, never see that again. It. Um, but he's he's had three starts where he didn't give up a run. Um, and he's been dominant in those. And he's had several others where he's been good. Newcomb, and, and you know, we've said it. That, not just everybody who's followed Newcomb at all has said if he could just get that walk rate down um, from over five per nine to under four per nine, um, he could be a dominant pitcher. And he's still walking too many people, but he's not walking them in the way he was. Well, uh, so and he's throwing first pitch strikes. He's, yeah. Uh, the thing about it, if you look at his stat line, he's got 18 walks in 40 and two thirds innings. That works out to a ratio of four walks per nine, which isn't ideal. But right. 10.6 strikeouts per nine because he struck out 48. Right. So that's 2.67 strikeout to walk ratio. And by the way, Mike Fultonavich is kind of in a similar boat. He struck out 10.1 per nine, 4.1 walks per nine. Very similar pitchers. Yeah, boy, those numbers sound almost identical, don't yeah. they? And overall, their years have been pretty similar. Fulte, um, you know, he's obviously got a lot more experience in the major league level, but um, the, the two of them are often spoken of in the same breath because, you know, great stuff. If they can just command it, they got top of the rotation potential, but will they ever? Because Newcomb's never in his professional career had stretches where he wasn't walking too many people. Um, but if he can keep it even at four walks per nine innings and get, if he could drop that a little bit, his stuff is just very hard to hit. Fawlty, um he hadn't walked as many as Newcomb, Overall, I guess this year they're pretty close to the same. He has actually walked Fulton. one more. But yeah, but I in, mean, in, in his career, yeah. his walk rates aren't good, but they haven't been nearly as bad as Newcomb's. And he's got the great stuff, the 98, 99-mile-an-hour here and a good breaking ball. But he just loses the ability to command it sometimes. If he can't get the – he had the one terrible start in the last, against the Giants last mm-hmm. week, I guess. And um, I was watching that one. He could not get the breaking ball over to save his life. Um, and when he can't command his off-speed pitches, um, and he he has to just pump the fastball, and he doesn't he doesn't seem to be able to command the fastball as much either. And you know, you throw even ninety-eight down the middle. A lot of these major league hitters will square that up. And, and he's had lots of those episodes yeah. in his career, but he, he's he's not having as many this year. I mean, his overall stat line looks good, right? Right, and uh, 
you were making a serious point and I was going to make the joke that everyone who's a Braves fan should know that 98 down the middle can be hit because we saw Kyle Farnsworth. <laughs> right. Um, <Yeah. laughs> which is crude and rude, but also totally true. It's true. It's a bad memory, but it's true. It's, well, yeah. It's true. Uh, the really amazing one to me might be Julio Tehran because I had written him off. That's the mystery guy because we're, we're talking about um, Nuke and Fulte, both you know, with their 99 mile an hour heaters and their their good breaking ball and all. Well, Julio's doing it with an 88, 89 mile an hour heater, and he had a cup. He, he started out bad. He had a couple of really bad starts mm-hmm. in the first two of the year, and he's pitched really well ever since. Except that one odd game when it's, he hurt his back and was only in for three innings. Um, then he came back and was, you know, going into the been, seventh with no as, hitter. He's been as good as the other guy. I mean, he has been excellent. I mean, he. I mean, he's been. I, I, and this, I've watched most of his starts too, and I, I love watching him because the guy clearly knows how to pitch. His command has been excellent, and that's what again. People know people overlook this. If you can command even an 88, 89 mile an hour fastball, with, I mean, really excellent command. Um, and of course, you you mix it up by changing speeds and in and out, up and down. You keeping major league hitters off balance. Uh, he's figured out how to do that. I mean, you know, Bartolo Colon. We can make fun of him for being so bad as a Brave, <laughs> but he had he's had a lot of good years. Um, when he never threw a fastball 90 miles an hour, um, but he just knew how to put it where he needed to and change speeds on it, and Julio seems to have figured that out. He's also thrown at 91-92 on occasion. looks like he can crank it up there, but consistently his fastball has been about you know 89 miles an hour. Really good slider he's throwing this year. He's always had the good changeup. I think he can be an effective pitcher. Just not a lot of margin for error, right? Yeah. If, well, and, you know, then the other guy that I think probably has solidified a spot in the rotation is Mike Soroka. Oh, Soroka, I'm so high on. I mean, he had the great start. And then his next couple of starts haven't been so great. Include, we're talking on Sunday morning, of course. Um, he pitched last night, Saturday. Yeah. And, and he, he pitched, I thought he pitched really well. He had, what, five, six strikeouts in five innings. Yeah, he also seven. gave up four runs, but only one was earned. Oh, right. And technically, um, that's because Brian Anderson reached on an error by uh, Batista, who yeah, yeah, kind of made two, up for it. was a two-out error, so all the runs that followed right. were unearned. Um, and Sor- Soroka, what's so great about Soroka is he, he is, as he was advertised in just the very limited times I've seen him, he really commands a lively fastball. It's you know, and it's it, he's not a, a 90, 91 mile an hour fastball guy. He's throwing ninety three, ninety four regularly with a fair amount of movement, and he keeps it down in the zone. He gets ground balls, um, and he doesn't walk people. So he's he's That's he, he's up to stay. I don't think there's a whole lot of doubt, right? That well, they we're hitting. That yeah. Maybe it'll just be a spot start or two, but uh, I don't. I don't I can't imagine they'd send him down. I think they'll just ride him on out now. Let me also point out that Anibal Sanchez is still on the DL, and Brandon McCarthy is the one pitcher we're not talking about because he hasn't. We hadn't mentioned McCarthy because you know he started out 
he was three and zero, but he wasn't pitching that well. Yeah. <laughs> um, and he's he's had two really bad starts in a row. So I, I suspect there's a short leash for McCarthy. In fact, um, Mark Bowman on the, the official website, who I, you got to assume is giving sort of official line stuff, mm-hmm. um, hinted very strongly that his rotation spot, you know, he might lose it real quick if he doesn't turn it around. But and he as well he should. Yeah. Um, for one thing, you got Anibal coming back. Let's see if he can do what he did. I'm a little skeptical, but we also a shot. should point out Luis Gahara is in the majors currently. Yes, he had his first appearance this week, and in fact, he got his first professional save. <laughs> he came in in that route um, and pitched three innings. Um, and because baseball rules pretty are good, <laughs> right? And I don't know. He was so stellar across three levels last year, a combined 2.62 ERA. Came up and in five games in 29 innings had a 4.91. So it's not like his major league performance insists. He, he had an starts. ERA of 4.91, but that was that was a pretty misleading stat because if was. you care about all the other advanced metrics, he was really good. I don't have it in front of me, well, but his I do. FIP was, was way better than yeah. that. Officially, they record that as two seven five. If you want the details, uh, in well, twenty nine two seven five is good enough for me to hear. Sure. That's pretty good. Uh, but in twenty nine and the third innings, he had thirty one strikeouts to only eight walks, and he only gave up two home runs. In case right. you're wondering, those ratios work out to nine point five strikeouts per nine, two point five walks per nine, and point six home runs per nine. Yeah, uh, obviously, if you keep that up, which is the whole idea of fielding independent pitching, you're a superstar. Um, he, he, the problem with Gohara is, you know, he was injured in the spring, and so he got to, off to the slow start. Mm-hmm. And then when he start finally started pitching in the minor leagues, he's he's been really bad. Yeah. He, he, but it's just not anything to worry about. I think um, it just takes a while to get back into pitching shape. And and when I say pitching, the guy really does. He is a huge guy. He looks like Bartolo Colon um, at age forty. Um, and he's half that age. On the other hand, he looks—he really looks more like CC Sabathia because he's taller yes. too. And you know, if I take a Sabathia career in a heartbeat, right? Well, I take I mean, a Cologne career in a heartbeat out of him. Um, so I, I don't sure. know how much stock to put in the fact that he's—he weighs so much. It's his left arm that really matters, um, and he's got a great one. Anyway, you know, the other thing about Gohara is he had a horrible offseason. His father yeah. died in his arms, you know, um, and his mother's sick. So he's been through a lot, and he's just a kid. He's still just um, – he was born in 1987 himself, right, like so uh, many of these other guys. 1996. I think you meant to say 97. Not, not, not 80. Yeah. Uh, he was born in 96. Uh, yeah, he was He's born still just 21, though, right? Yeah. yeah. He'll turn uh, – what does that mean, his current ages? What's the cutoff? It's July 31st is his birthday. So I think that means this is his 21-year-old. He's a 21-year-old, yeah, as far as... But he will turn officially. 22, you know, in uh-huh. a little over two months. Yeah. So It is one that. of the many age 21 or younger guys that right. we're and, so excited about. You know, part of a larger question I kind of wanted to ask, is Brian Snicker a good manager? I... I I don't know what makes for a good manager at this point. Yeah, I don't really you either. Know? It was a loaded question, but um, I think 
I think Snitker is a good manager in, in most of the things that matter the most for managers. The reason I think Bobby Cox was a great manager um, and keeping the respect uh, of the clubhouse, um, they, the team, I mean, even when they weren't playing well with Snitker, they all seemed to be pulling together. And, and maybe it doesn't matter that much if they like each other, but, you know, getting the best out of each individual player, uh, all the stuff that we can't see that's hard to measure, Snitker apparently has it. Having said that, I really don't think he understands, you know, more modern ways of <laughs> looking at baseball. Um, you know, they had that experiment a couple of weeks ago where he started batting the pitcher ninth, uh, I mean eighth, yeah. and NCRT batting ninth, cause, mainly because I think they wanted to move Acuna up in the order, so and you didn't want to drop all these, all of which made sense. Um, and I kind of liked it, but Snicker apparently came out and said, no, that, that, that was frustrating me. I don't know whether it's the right move or not. Uh, but I think he's a he's a traditionalist. The word I read somewhere was that pretty clearly came from the front office as a strong suggestion. Let's try that. Well, and I assume that Batista is a strong suggestion from the front office, and Snicker tends to want to go with the fielders, it seems. At least yeah. Charlie Culberson Although, has been used more than you'd think. The odd, the odd thing about that is what we heard from Anthopolis in the offseason was they're going to put a lot more of his own defense this year. And then, then they bring in Batista to play third base. That, that's an interesting experiment. Last night, Batista, we already mentioned, made that terrible error that led to a four-run inning, put the Braves behind, and then he promptly hits a home run to tie the game. So um, it, he won't be the third baseman for more than a couple more weeks unless he really starts hitting a lot more, right? Right. He's, well, Johan Camargo is only hitting 191, but it's about as a – productive 191 as you can do yeah in a very limited sample of 58 plate appearances he has two home runs two doubles one triple and 10 walks Ten walks. It, Camargo um I, I've been skeptical of ever since they ever since they first called him up um and he hit so well last year because his minor league offensive stats just weren't that good and one of the problems was he you know never walked if the guy can walk, he's, he makes pretty good contact up there. Um, he's he's going to be a valuable guy. I think they made they made up their mind. He's not their regular third baseman, probably. Um, he got hurt in the spring, too, because I think the thought was um, he, he probably would be the third baseman going into the year. Um, but Well, he's had to play shortstop as of late. Right, well. Ryan Flaherty had to be the third baseman because of Camargo's injury, and mm-hmm. Flaherty was, you know, a superstar for the month of April. Somehow. Um, and then with Swanson's injuries playing short. How, the point is, I don't know how all that's going to shake out over the next month or two. I mean, I'm confident Dansby will be the shortstop whenever he comes back in the next week or two. Uh, but how that then affects third base, I mean, you got three players in the mix, and I'm not sure how they're going to mix them in. Uh, although if Batista doesn't hit anymore over the next two or three weeks, as I just said, than he has the last couple of weeks, I think that experiment will be over. Yes. He doesn't need to hit 300. He, he could hit not much more than he did last year, 200, if he hits a home run every 20 at-bats or so. And so we'll see if that's possible. I mean, you kind of like the idea of a good, strong right-handed power hitter on the bench but what i liked about batista from the start was that he what a great bench bat to have not as your regular third baseman 
Yeah, but that's also and by the a way, useful roster. Austin spot. Riley could be the third baseman before the season. Well, over. that's the other thing. Um, and we didn't mention that Colby Allard is also probably due for a spot in the rotation before too long. He's been Maybe there, there aren't that many rotation spots available, but they always tend to turn. We were talking about what are we going to. You already got six or seven starters we're talking about, but Allard, you know, is the. He and Soroka have just been almost joined at the hip since they signed, right? Yeah, um, he's, both he's first had round a two picks. ERA the entire year at AAA. Right, and so. they've been at the same levels all along, and he's pitched just about as well as Soroka. You know, people are, are really down on Allard, and you've read several things, because his velocity really isn't what you want out of a young superstar in the making. His fastball just never gets above the low 90s. Um, and even that's just a stretch, but, but he's a lot like Soroka in that, you know, somehow the, at a very young age, he knows a lot about pitching. He's yeah. Great I, command. He's got, you know, his, he's got a, a big arsenal of pitches, even if he didn't have a dominant fastball. Um, so he, he could be a very effective major league pitcher, but on the other hand, maybe one of those guys who can get minor league hitters out, um, maybe AAA and 4A kind of guys, but not majorly. But we won't know until they bring him up, right? That's the thing. I also would like to stake a claim right now that I will be angered at anyone who compares him to Tom Glavin simply because he's a lefty who doesn't throw that hard because um, he has a big well, hook. It will it will happen. Um, and in fact, I've been known to do that over the years, as you know. Um, Horacio Ramirez, the, the next time Glavin or Chuck James. <laughs> Chuck James the next time Glavin, um, and it's a stupid comparison. You're right because there, there's there's never been and there never will be another pitcher quite like Tom Glavin who gets by on a mediocre fastball and a world class changeup, uh, and just never throwing the ball over the middle of the plate. Right, it worked that, for him. It's not Allard. Allard has a. You're right. Ball. Allard has a fantastic curveball by all accounts. I haven't seen him, but that's what they say, and, and apparently a really good feel for a changeup too. So. If you got a really good curveball as a lefty and a really good changeup, and you can spot your fastball well, there's no reason you can't be a really good major league pitcher. Right. So please, everybody, make Tommy John comparisons. That's Tommy okay. John. Yeah. I'm joking well, on that too. Um, yeah. Don't even say the name Tommy John. We know about these young pitchers. That's well because nobody remembers anything about Tommy John except the surgery that's named after him. Sure. I, I, I do say. remember Tommy John as a pitcher, of course. He, he I, actually I can picture him. Look look him up. This is actually a fair thing to say. He's that kind of pitcher. I think right. Bill James once said, if you are a left-hander who does everything well, you can be at basically a league average strikeout rate at the start of your career and be good. And yep. by that, he meant Tommy John and Tom Glavin. They're right. very rare. What Allard has to do is a special thing. And as mentioned with Ramirez and James, you got to throw all your pitches well and have excellent command. Yeah, and if it, like we always say, there's just not much margin for error on that. Um, Newcomb can miss with his fastball by six inches and still strike somebody out. Um, yeah, that can't, can't happen that. if you throw softly. But right. it is as we keep saying, the Braves will have these options. I mean, yeah, you know. We haven't talked about the bullpen because, in some ways, bullpens are boring to talk about. But the they've been good. Has been really good. Um, Dan Winkler has been maybe the best reliever in the league. It's amazing how good he's been. And Shane Carl's been right there with him. 
Um, he wouldn't have predicted that from either of them. Winkler's, you know, looked good in the few stretches over the last many years that he's had a chance to pitch in the major leagues when he wasn't hurt, but he's been hurt almost all the time. Uh, but he's apparently healthy, and, man, he looks good. Um, and I don't know where Shane Carl came from, but he's continued to look good. Well, and let's not forget Jesse Biddle, who similarly kind of came out of yeah. nowhere. And he he's he had like one bad inning since he's been up, but otherwise he's been pretty lights out. And then some of the guys we expected to be good, namely Vizcaino and Minter, have been very good indeed. Yeah, Minter has been a disappointment, uh, only in the sense that I expected, you know, Craig Kimbrell out of him right off the bat, because that's what he was last year. That's what he was in the minor leagues. Uh, but I mean, even in the major leagues. He put it Kimbrel-type numbers in very limited action. And, of course, it's silly to expect that. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's no reason to be disappointed, really, in Mentor. I think he's going to be really good. I mean, he walks too many people, but he also strikes out a ton. He's hard to hit. And, right. You know, he was not walking out. people before this year. That's the yeah. one cause of concern. So, um, if we can just get that walk right down a little bit. And Vizcon, you know, is, you know, he's... He's pretty good. He, he makes you nervous. Um, he loses command occasionally. But when he's got command, yeah, he's pretty unhittable. And that's Throws a the slider for thing. strikes in his 98-mile-an-hour fastball. Yeah, nothing not to like about that. You know, there have been a few things written about, hey, the Braves have this ability to come from behind, and some of that is, I guess, you know, believing you can always come back and an offense that can do it. But it's also the bullpen has to keep the lid on the other team. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, last night was, was a, another example of that, actually. Um, you know, they went out to a four to one lead. And by the way, we, we were talking about offense and we, we mentioned all these, uh, we, we mentioned Marcakis. Um, there, there's so many other players that are, that are really surprising you, but, but still the best is Freddie. Freddie yeah. had two home runs last night. He had a five hit game earlier in the week. Um, Freddie's starting to hit at his MVP caliber rate. Uh, and maybe if he can stay healthy and hit like that, this might be that MVP year. Um, but he's he's the guy that you got to count on. They're going to be ups and downs from everybody. But, man, he has really heated up. He's fun to watch. Well, yeah, I'll be so Senecunia are going to be. The point I was getting at is Freeman, you know, got him a lead four to one, and then they lost that lead, as we said. But then they came back with two in the eighth and three in the ninth. But as you point out, the bullpen held them. That's what matters. Uh, you, you can't have comeback wins if the other team keeps scoring as you're trying to come back. So all good stuff. Well, and we haven't talked about Freeman because I'm like, well, he's been Freddie Freeman. But let's take stock of that. Mm-hmm. He's hitting 331 on the year. And we're just like, yeah, 331, sure. <laughs> And that is not a hollow 331 in any way, shape, or form. He has eight home runs, 12 doubles, which with some quick back-of-the-envelope kind of math, that's going to be 30 homers and pushing 50 doubles on pace. He's walked 25 times. Five of those are intentional from the first He's an on-base machine, yeah. Do it, but that means that his triple slash is 331, 431, 593. Yep, there you go. That's that's um, pretty amazing. Um, but you know, that's the way he's hit the last three him. years when he's been healthy. Um, that he's pretty much established that kind of level. I mean, you won't do that consistently every month, but he's shown that he—that's the kind of major league hitter he is right now. And 
And that's a huge boon to everybody else. You know, <laughs> oh, yeah. Ronald Acuna is exciting. He has hit some light tower home runs. I mean, just incredible potential. And he's held his own for a 20-year-old at a way that we should really applaud, but it's also a 269 batting average. He's struck out 18 times to four walks. He's been right. inconsistent. You can even see him. He hasn't been bad in the outfield, but occasionally you can just tell he, 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 made, he had one error this week where he misjudged the ball, um, but it was because he was playing in, in the Dome Stadium there in, in St. Petersburg, and he clearly just lost sight yeah. of it, and it was kind of funny to see. Um, he's he's a hell of a fielder, though, from what I've seen. I'm not worried about that. But um, we don't need Ronald Acuna to be the superstar. He's a 20-year-old right rookie, but I tell you, Will, he hits the ball so hard. He hit His exit velocity... And it's not just the the home the three mammoth home runs he's hit. He hit so many hot smashes to short and third base. He's had a, a fair amount of bad luck so far, and it's so early. All of that'll even out. I, I loved I love what I've seen about his approach at the plate. Right, he hadn't walked a whole lot, but I don't see him flailing away too much. It pitches out of the zone. That was what was so smart about hitting him second. They're going to throw the ball over the plate for him. Well, especially him. because Freeman's behind him, and it means we don't need Ronald Acuna to be the superstar yet. Right. That's the real yep. key to it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, all that's, that's good. And I also think the great thing about this team and what makes them really great to follow is that everything is coming together. You don't think, oh, well, now we're getting to the bullpen. I don't know about it. Or, well, this starter is, I don't think we can win with him. The offense is good enough. If your starters aren't good, they can sometimes bail you out. Here's my take on it, Will. Mm -hmm. I really don't think the offense is as good as it's shown this far. You don't think Nick Markakis is a 340 hitter? (laughs) No. Um, I think Freeman may hit at the levels he has. I really don't think Ozzy Albies is going to hit 50 home runs either. Um, I, I love Ozzy. I think he's going to. I think he's for real. Um, but I don't think they're going to lead the league in runs scored. Um, I don't think they're going to come close to it by the end of the year. I mean, again, I'd like to be proven wrong. I just don't see it. Um, I think this team is going to be in contention for a playoff berth if the starting pitchers hold up. That's what I'm focused on more than anything. If Newcomb keeps pitching the way he has, if if Fulte keeps doing what he's doing, and if Julio is, um, seems to have figured out how to do what he's doing, um, and then any of the others fill in here and there, that, that's a team. If you get starting pitchers you can count on, you're going to be in most games. I mean, hell, what a cliche that is. But it's true. Um, yeah. And, and if – it. I mean, I know I was spoiled watching the Braves in the '90s. Starting pitcher <laughs> is is, but I still think that's that's the key yeah. right here. And and I think that's they're showing it, but that's the pitching has to hold up because they're gonna they're gonna have stretches where they're not scoring runs. But what uh, what's the opposite of spoiled? Because that's what you were with pitchers from 1966 to 1991. <laughs> yes, I I think I actually I, I was. Wasn't spoiled in the nineties. I earned that for the first twenty-five yes, years did. of the Braves' existence, right? <laughs> now, because uh, man, there was never consistent starting pitching except for one guy, the Hall of Famer. But also, we should say if uh, momentum is just the next day's starting pitcher, at least with uh, Phil Necro, you know he could move up in the rotation and create <laughs> momentum when you needed it. Because <laughs> whenever you needed him, for as long as you needed him. Uh, but the problem was he was all they had for most of that time. 
Um, Thus, having 21 and 20 seasons. Three consistent starting pitchers. Um, as my father always told me when I was a very young baseball fan, you know, you got three starting pitchers, you can win the World Series. Look at those Braves of 1957. And it, um, yeah. And I always remember that, and I think it's true. Um, three good starting pitchers, you're you're in the game. Um, I mean, the, it takes a lot more than that, I realize. Can I but point out don't that... Consistent starting pitching is hard to be in contention, no matter what else is going on. And I shouldn't make... That's where I'm focused, but that's where I'm optimistic. But What's that? here's a you're an old baseball fan crack. You do realize yeah. that when you were a kid and you learned that fact that you only needed three pitchers because it was a four-man rotation and the fourth guy wasn't used as much. Yeah, 75%. Um, more than 75% yeah. of your starts went to those three. In fact, probably more than 80%. And they all went into the seventh, no matter what. Right. So, guess what? Uh, that's a little bit different. He- even so, but it's an entirely different game now. Um, but it's all the more important that your starting pitchers give you six or seven good innings instead of five, because you, it, the bullpen will will wear out, uh, and you got you got to have obviously a lot more good pitchers in the bullpen nowadays with starters not going as long. Um, but you, but if your starters consistently go between five and six innings, I don't see how anybody can hold up. If you can get six to seven innings, it may seem like a small difference, but it adds up in terms of bullpen appearances. So, And that's right. what they've been getting lately. It's basically five less bullpen appearances a week. Yeah, yeah that's, that's a big difference. I mean, the, you play the game every day and it makes a difference. The mm-hmm. We should point out that the upcoming Brave schedule is uh, totally bizarre because of that weird makeup game at Wrigley Field before the Cubs come to Atlanta. So tomorrow, Monday, the Braves go to Chicago. Right. And the next day, both teams fly to Atlanta. Yep. And then so, they finish with the Cubs for the year right. <laughs> this week. Um, and then they get the Marlins some more this weekend. You know, one of the great things about this Braves start, we, we mentioned this before, that they had the best record in the division before they'd ever played the Marlins after all that. So now, now they've still got a lot of games against the Marlins ahead of them. And that's something to look forward to because it's Marlins maybe aren't going to be as terrible as a lot of people thought, but they're not good. So yeah, they aren't the Braves, that great. The Braves had a very tough schedule so far and um, there, there's no reason to believe they, they can't stay in it. We should point out that the next five games that I'm staring at on baseball reference as we record this, they are facing Jose Urania, Jose Quintana, Hugh Darvish, Tyler Chatwood, and John Lester. So, okay, tough week. Yep. But they've done well with tough weeks before. Uh, they got swept for the first time and then came back and won, you know, four out of five. Right. That works. That, that, mm-hmm. um, it was, you know, that's what's so cool about baseball. They, they, they could not have looked any better in the last series in New York against the Mets a little over a week ago, as dominant a three-game sweep as you ever want to see. And then they look just as bad in three games against the Giants at home. Um, you just got to shake that stuff off. And that's where a good manager, that's where Bobby Cox was so good. Keep him on an even keel, you know, put that behind you. We play every day. Um, Snitker may have some of that, but in any event, they've, they've had a very good week after a very bad weekend. You just got to keep doing that. And, the thing that can be frustrating about baseball is you can get down after two games, but you also know that the great thing about baseball is you can come back at it because 
you've got more games. You can make that improvement whenever you're there. Yeah, that's what I love about it. Yeah, that's what makes us keep coming back for more. And no matter what we see when we keep coming back this week, we'll be talking about it right here on the Channel 17 podcast. Brought to you by the Productive Leisure Network. You can find us online at ProductiveLeisureNetwork.com. You can also listen to us on iTunes and Stitcher. And you can follow us on social media, perhaps gaining a following, perhaps not, at Channel17Pod. Um, I don't know. Are you getting any more followers, or should we try and boost that up more? I haven't looked at it lately. Fair. <laughs> so uh, I don't know, but I'll, I'll try to keep at it. But if you want more of this uh, insightful commentary about uh, the Braves... Uh, not as many Joe Simpson hot takes as I would have wanted on there yet, but we can work on that. Go to Channel 17 Pod on Twitter. You can also follow the Productive Leisure Network for any updates on social media uh, at Prod Leisure on both Facebook and Twitter. Thanks for listening and see you next week.